0: It's good to see you guys. Uh, My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. Love it that you guys are joining us. For those in the room, uh, for those who are joining online, love that you guys are joining us via technology. Uh, It's so good to have you guys. Uh, You do need to know, I know much of our church is still joining online, you do need to know how much we miss you. Amen? Can you guys let them know? Uh, Okay, maybe they don't miss you. Uh, Maybe they don't miss you. I do do think they miss you. We miss you, and uh, I know some of you are staying at home for health reasons for yourself or somebody else, but if you are not, you need to know we'd love to see you back here soon. Right, guys? Yes, yes. We would love to see you guys back, Uh, but in the meantime, uh, we love that you're watching by your pool or... (laughs) Uh, at home, and uh, we have two live streams at 9, 30, and 11 for that purpose to serve you. So it's good to have you guys here. Good to have you guys here. We are continuing in our series in the book of First John, this series entitled Beloved. We're actually in week five of that series, and uh, let me just start it out today this way. Uh, I think we all have fears, some of them are more general fears that everybody has, like spiders and snakes and whatever. Uh, some of them are more specific fears, like to your profession or to your season of life. And I'm no different. I have specific fears as uh, a public speaker. Uh, I do this fear, and it's this. And like most pastors I know who do the same, we typically have this specific fear, and it's this. It's that we'll get up on a stage like this and forget all of this. My notes my Bible, like we'll come up ready to preach and all of a sudden, somehow it just slipped. I don't know how that would happen, but it's like this fear, like we don't have our notes and we're standing before a group of people like this and we don't know what to say. In fact, it's funny, last night, I kid you not, I had a dream about this. (laughs) And you know how dreams don't make sense, right? So I wasn't in this room, I was in some random, really big room and I had this weird like microphone helmet on Dreams don't make sense, right? Uh, But I woke up in a cold sweat, like early this morning, thinking like, oh, I forgot my notes. And I remembered that was a dream, and I do have my notes and my Bible. We're good to go. But I have that fear. A lot of communicators have that fear. You guys have specific fears. But I think a lot of us have a general fear that we share in common, and it's this. A fear of the end times, A fear of the end of all things, the end of the world, like what's going to happen? And we watch movies and shows about it, and we get kind of scared, and we're like, what would we do if it was the end times for real, right? Anybody with me? We have a fear of of what's going to happen. Well, John's going to talk about things today that that many of us fear. He's going to use words like the last hour, the last days. He's also going to use words like antichrist, And some of us, when we see words like that, and especially right now in 2020, with fires and riots and division all over the place and hurricanes and natural disasters, you've maybe been fearful, hey, maybe we are in the end times. And what we're going to see today is if we actually read the Bible, a novel idea, I don't think we get more confusion around these ideas or more fear, I think we get clarity, right? And that's John's goal with us today, so we're going to look at it together. You guys ready? Okay, well head there with me, 1 John 2 is where we're going to be, starting in verse 18, going to verse 27, and so grab a Bible, it is going to be a little complex, so you're going to want to look along, look along at home, get the Bible out in front of you, I want you to see all the context, all the words, so we can get the clarity that John wants to give us this morning. So 1 John chapter 2, 18 through 27. If you're new to the Bible, new to church, First John's towards the end of your Bible, close to Revelation. Just flip back there. And First John chapter 2, let's read it together. Starting in verse 18, it says this. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Little tongue twister, but stay with me. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. in him. Now, I told you it was a lot, so I want to kind of set it up a little bit. I want you to try to picture the scene with me of John's day, not our day in 2020, of John's day. Why is he writing this? What is he really writing about? Because I know these are confusing terms that he uses. Here's the first thing. Most scholars believe 1 John was written between 95 and 110 A.D., So here's what that means. You have many years that have passed since Jesus lived, died, resurrected, and ascended into heaven. Many years have passed. In fact, most scholars believe the other apostles, excluding John, have died. But you have John, still kicking, 80 plus years old, and he's writing to a group of young Christians who he wants desperately, if you've been with us, he wants them desperately to know the same Jesus that he knows to to, to experience what it means to be the beloved just like he's the beloved disciple of Jesus, right? So that's some of the context. And you need to know that context because John even says here, children. Do you see that? He starts off children. He says that nine times throughout the book. John is talking about some things that usually bring fear and confusion for us. But notice John's heart. It's of a fatherly affection, Dads, what do you do with your kids? Do you try to scare them and spook them? No, right? You try to protect them, you try to bring confidence to them, you try to bring assurance to them. That's what John's trying to do. He's looking at this this young group of believers who who don't have the other apostles. Jesus ascended into heaven many years ago, and he, he, he wants them desperately. He wants to pull them close. Hey, children, you need to know these things about who Jesus is, about what could rob you of a relationship with Jesus. Like, I knew Jesus. I walked with him. I saw him die. I saw him rise again. And I want you to know these things. And he wants to bring protection and perseverance Not fear and confusion. So we need to frame this up correctly from the heart of John. And listen, we need to frame it up correctly in 2020. Some of us are in a panic right now. Maybe worried about the end times. Maybe worried about why? Why are there so many fires? Why are there so many natural disasters? Why? Why is there so much? Racial tension and division. Why is there so much political confusion? And maybe you sit at home at night, typically after watching CNN or Fox News, or scrolling through social media, maybe you have some fear and some panic because you're wondering, like, what's going to happen? And maybe sometimes you even, you're not looking at your word, and, and you think about God's character. Maybe, like, maybe he wants us to be kind of scared, like he's going to come back and get us. And that's not the heart of God. John's not just acting like a father. God is a perfect, heavenly father. If you know Jesus, you're his kids. And you can be calm, even in chaos, amen? You can persevere. You can know you're protected as a child of God. Whether it's the end times or whether it is not. Whether the fires go away, whether the racial tension gets up. No matter what happens, you can know as a child of God you're protected. You can persevere. You don't have to be afraid so John comes to us with the fatherly affection of God, our Heavenly Father, and he begins to talk about these things. So now that we've framed it up, let's talk about these things. Let's try to get some understanding around these phrases. Look at the text with me. If you're at home, look at the text with me. See that phrase, last hour. If you have a pen, circle it. Last hour. Some of your translations may say the last hour. Time And typically, we we see these phrases, we're not quite sure what that means, because it seems like last hour, like that was a long, like almost 2,000 years ago, John, I think that was a long hour, (laughs) because we're still in it. Like, what does that truly mean? Well, some other scriptures help us with this, and just Bible uh, help for you, if you're ever confused by something in scripture, scripture always interprets scripture. So you want to look for other texts that describe the same thing. So I got two for you. There's lots more, but I'm going to give you two. One is 1 Peter 1.20. It says this. It says, He, that's Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times, similar language, for your sake. Hebrews 1.1, it says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So what you see in those two texts and a lot of other texts that talk about the last days or last hour, they're talking about that the arrival of Jesus Christ has happened. He was born. He lived. He died. He resurrected. He ascended into heaven. And that brought in the last days. And those last days continue now as we wait on Christ's return. And we don't know when Christ is returning, but we do know some of the signs that we are in the last days. Not only did did Jesus come and we're waiting on his return, but we know some other signs. How do we know them? John gives them to us. He's not trying to spook you. He's not trying to confuse you. He's trying to bring clarity. Look at the text with me, verse 18. He says, here's some of the signs. You have heard that Antichrist is coming... So now many antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. John says, Hey, here's how we know it's the last hour. Not just because Jesus brought the last hour, brought the end times, and we're waiting on his return, but we see some things that are supposed to happen. In the last hour, Matthew 24, Jesus talks about this extensively. The disciples are asking him, hey, Jesus, how do we know it's the last hour? How do we know it's the last days? And Jesus says to them, there will be people that rise up, that try to deceive people, that claim my name. And so John, remember, he's Jesus' best friend, knew Jesus, heard Jesus say these types of things. He's saying, hey, this is happening. What Jesus described is happening now. We're in the last hour. How do we know? Because antichrists have come. So we have to ask, what does John mean by antichrist? First, you need to know this. There's lots of movies out there. There's lots of uh, Kirk Cameron. God bless him. Uh, There's lots of Left Behind and a a slew. To be honest with you, if you really want to watch some low-budget, horrible films... You can, you can watch them about the end times and the Antichrist and, and all of these sorts of things. But again, when we uh, see things in life that could bring confusion or fear, we want to go to the source. We want to go to the Bible, right? And so maybe watch those movies if you want a good laugh. But if you want truth, we come to the Bible. And so we have to look at what is John talking about when he says Antichrist. He says Antichrist singular, if you notice, He says antichrist plural. So singular, that's the one that the movies are all about, right? That's the one that you're probably familiar with, right? Uh, That one who would come at the end of time and rise to power, typically in a governmental structure, and rise to power and deceptively influence people against the real Jesus Christ and into other false ideologies and philosophies and religions, right? That's the one we all think of. Here's what's interesting about John. John doesn't say anything about that one. (laughs) He talks about the Antichrist's plural. So maybe you're thinking, well, Tim, I wanted some clarity. I thought you were going to bring some clarity about that movie I saw once. Like, Kirk Cameron, was he right? So if you want to read, take some notes. Here we go. Online, take some notes. If you want to read about that singular Antichrist, here's a few places you can go for some late bedtime Reading, you know, just to calm you down before bed. Here we go. Uh, Take these verses down. Read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Go back and read Matthew 24 that I just mentioned. Read Mark 13. Read Revelation 12. 2 Thessalonians 2, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Revelation 12. That's where we'll get into more extensively the singular Antichrist. And you can learn more about that and get clarity. But what John wants to focus on, and I think he even is telling these people, hey, you've heard about the Antichrist singular. like That's the one you're probably going to want to talk about. But here's the most prevalent thing we need to talk about. It's these Antichrist, plural, that have already come. So who are these people? Again, we look at the Bible. Look at verse 19 with me. He describes them. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. Verse 22. He says, this is the Antichrist. Super simple. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. Later, verse 26, he says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. So, what does John say the Antichrists are? These plural, these people that have come in. He says, they came in, but they left us. They were not of us. They denied the Father and the Son. They tried to deceive us. So, these are a group of people who've come in the church, infiltrated the church, and they've tried to deceive people and they've denied the Father and the Son, but they've kind of acted like they agree with some things about Jesus, but not the Christ part of Jesus. Like, if you notice, it's not anti religion, it's not anti church, it's not even anti God. What is it? Anti Christ. That there were people in John's day who had infiltrated the church who were specifically saying, Hey, Jesus, maybe he was a good inspirational figure. Maybe he was a great teacher. Maybe even he was a holy man, but he was not the Christ. He was not the Messiah. He was not the King of Kings. He was not the Lord of Lords. And you had people infiltrating these young Christians, this young church, Saying these sorts of things and trying to lead these people astray and trying to deceive these people. But John says, Hey, we know they were not of us because they left us. They were trying to deceive us, right? They were going against what we know to be true the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus did come as the Messiah, the chosen one. He is the Son of God, right? And so this is who he's talking about with the Antichrist. And so, We have to know, why antichrist? Like, why was that such a big deal? Why is that such a big deception? Maybe some of you, you talk to people of other faiths. uh, People have knocked on your door and said, hey, uh, I want to tell you about Jesus. And they kind of convinced you and tried to convince you at the very least to say, hey, this book that we read, it's not the Bible, but it talks about the same Jesus. And hey, this this religion that we kind of follow, uh, it's basically all the same. Like all, always kind of lead to God. Like we love Jesus. Jesus is my homeboy. I, I like Jesus. I can learn a lot from Jesus. I remember uh, watching a Ben Affleck interview before he made his latest movie, and he was actually interviewing uh, with a church, and he spoke very fondly of Jesus. And I really appreciated his candidness about it. He said, "I'm still searching," but he just kind of was like, "I like Jesus as a, a spiritual figure." and But he didn't talk about Jesus as the son of God. And sometimes you hear that and we are like, well, I kind of like some Ben Affleck movies. (laughs) What a great guy. He's probably a Christian. Give him some credit. He said the word Jesus, right? Celebrities wore the t-shirt with Jesus on it. Like, they probably know Jesus, and we can kind of be tempted to think it's all the same. But John's trying to make it clear. No, those people, unless they believe that Jesus is the Christ, they're not of us. And so we have to to take John's charge as well today. John's trying to protect us by by showing us there will be people that will deceive you into believing, hey, Jesus, great guy. Jesus was so nice. He didn't talk about hell. Oh, actually, he talked about hell a lot. He didn't talk about he was the son of God. Oh, actually, he did. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He, He said specifically, I and the Father are one. Peter said it. He said Jesus is like a stone, like this massive cornerstone, and you either, there's two options, you either build your whole life around this stone, or you stumble over it. That's what Jesus presents. That's what the New Testament presents. So when other people present to you in that day and our day a different idea... That's not the true gospel, and we know they're not of us. We know that's not that they're not talking about the same Jesus we read in the Bible. And John wants you to know that. He wants them to know that. And uh, I, I, know, I know it's tough because I have friends of other religions. I have friends who are spiritual but, but not religious or all those sorts of things. And I know it's tough because they, they do. They seem to have an affection for Jesus. They seem to have an affinity for Jesus. And maybe they'll even talk really respect, respectfully of Jesus. But, but it would be like this if this helps you. be like if you look at the president. Right? And I were to say to you, like, that's the president. And you were to say to me, I don't know if I feel like he's the president. I mean, he's a good guy and all. I mean, maybe, okay, yeah, I mean, I know he did a lot of good things, taught a lot of people, like trying to help our world. Uh, may, let's, can we call him governor? Can we call him mayor? I would say, well, no, he's the president. <laughs> he's not the guy. Go- I don't have anything against governors or mayors. They're fine. But he's the president. That's who he is. It's the same thing. John's trying to get you to understand. John's trying to confirm for them, Jesus is the Christ. That is who he is. That's why in verse 22, look at that verse. He says this strong language. He says, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's saying, that person who says Jesus isn't the Messiah, isn't the King of kings, Lord of lords, isn't the Son of God, that person's lying. Because he is that. He said it himself. He is the Christ. And so that's why John, you're like, John, why are you so mean? I thought you were a father. Why are you calling people liars? It's because he's saying it's such a reality. This is who Jesus is. Anything else doesn't work. Do you see that? So John is trying to protect these people who are hearing all. I mean, just try to imagine They don't have a full Bible like we do. They don't have all 66 books, 40 plus authors, right? Jesus ascended into heaven many years ago. You got one apostle left who was with him, and then you got all these leaders who are saying some things about Jesus that seem right, but are not true and not right, and they came, and then they left, and these people had to be confused. Maybe some of them had to be fearful. Maybe some of them had to be panicked. And John, with the father, is saying, children, with fatherly affection, you're protected. You should be comforted. You should be confident. Jesus is the Christ. And that's what he goes on to tell them. He says it in verse 20. Look at that verse. He makes the contrast. Hey, maybe you're scared. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you're even panicked. But listen, this is who you are. Verse 20. But you have been anointed by the holy one the holy spirit of god indwells you and you all have knowledge i write to you not because you don't know the truth but because you know it and because no lie is of the truth verse 23 look at that verse he says if you confess the son you have the father verse 25 and this is the promise you can be rest assured this is a promise to you that he made to us eternal life you know god and you'll know him forever is they might have been confused. Hey, well, what if if those people, they seem legit, but what if they weren't true Christians? Maybe we're not true Christians. And John, with fatherly affection, is going to affirm and give them confidence in the midst of their confusion and affirm them and tell them, this is who you are. You have the Holy Spirit. You know the truth. You have the Father. You have the eternal life. Don't panic. You are protected in Christ. And John says the same thing to you if you know Jesus Christ. See so here, I think two questions that maybe they asked, and I think we ask even today, is two questions. The first question is this. How do we know about other people? How do we know if they're true Christians? How do we know if they're preaching the right gospel? How do we know if they're, like, according to the Bible, like, followers of Jesus? How do we know? And maybe some of you think that about, like, not just people out there, but people like your friend or your brother. Or your cousin that said some things. You're like, how do, I, how do I know if they're a true Christian? I think that's the first question we ask. second question we ask is, how do we know that we're a true Christian? What if we're deceived? Oh my gosh, what, what if we don't know the full gospel? So I want to help you with that just briefly. Uh, the first thing I would say is, how do you know if other people are true Christians? Well, again, we look to John. Look at verse 19 with me. He says this, they went out from us. But they were not of us. Here it is. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. John says, how do you know about these other people? Like in the, these people, left, like, but how do you know, like future people come in, like how do you know if other people are true Christians? He says, you know because they come back. These people we know, they weren't true Christians, they weren't preaching the full gospel, and we know that because they left us, and not just they left, like, their local establishment, local church, like, don't, if a pastor tries to tell you, maybe you've heard this before, like, you were in his church, and you left his church, and then he was, like, (laughs) non-Christian. You left, you left the one true church, like, First Baptist, you know, whatever, um, I heard that a little bit growing up, going into a Baptist church. (laughs) so Maybe that's in deep with me. Uh, If you go to another church, not denominational, maybe you're not a Christian. That's not what John's saying, okay? Everybody take a deep breath. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about leaving the faith, leaving the big C church. How do we know about other people? Maybe you're thinking about that person in your life. How do you know? Maybe they're not a Christian. How do you know? Do they come back? One example, two different people, Peter... And Judas, Judas denies Jesus, betrays Jesus. How do we know he's not a true Christian? He didn't come back. Peter denies Jesus three times, right? How do we know Peter's a true Christian? He came back. He had breakfast with Jesus after he rose from the grave. He came back. How do you know? They come back. Well, Tim, but, I wanna, but that could not happen for 20 years. How do I know right now? You'll know when they come back. What do I do in the meantime? Like, how do I, how do I, pro- you, you pray for them. You pursue them in Jesus. You, you if they're trying to deceive you and brainwash you, you do keep your distance. You pray for them from afar. But if they're not trying to deceive you personally, you, you preach the gospel to them. You get out your Bible. You read it with them. You try to convince them, hey, Jesus is the Christ. He's been that in my life. He's changed my life. Remember that one time you said you believe that? Let's dig into the fact that you don't. What has caused that? And you pray for them and you wrestle with, listen, I have people in my family who are this way. I I feel your, your pain in that. And I want to know, are they a true Christian? If they died today, would they go to heaven? But I won't know until they come back. But in the meantime, I'll fight for them. I'll pray for them. I'll preach to them. I'll practice the works of Christ in front of them, right? And that's what you do. So how do we know about other people? How do we know about ourselves? John's already given us some assurances, uh, but that's not all we get. Throughout the whole Bible, we get assurances of how we know we are in Christ truly. I'm just going to give you a few again. uh, Jesus in John 10, 28. Jesus himself says this, I give them eternal life. Notice who gives eternal life. Jesus, not you. You can't lose what you didn't earn. Jesus says, I give them eternal life. Jesus, the Son of God, he gives you eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Ephesians 1 talks about that we are sealed with the Spirit. The moment we trust Christ, the Spirit, notice the intentional language, seals us. It's permanent. Romans 8, 38-39, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love that because Paul lists everything you could possibly think of. We'd be like, what about this, Paul? He's like, I got it covered. Nothing can separate you from the love in Jesus Christ. Uh, One of my favorite quotes of all time, the late, great J.I. Packer, he said it this way. He said, your faith will not fail while God sustains it. You are not strong enough to fall away while God is resolved to hold you. So in their day, maybe they wonder, like, what about us? Maybe you've wondered, like, what about me? I did some things last night I'm not proud of. I haven't done some things that I know God is calling me to do. But I I believe in Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. Like, what about me? Listen, you can know. You're not strong enough to fall away. God is stronger than your sin. God is stronger than your doubt. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross once for all. He's not coming back next week because of your doubt to die again. He's not coming back next week because of that one sin. It was done for good. Do you know that? Do you know that you know Jesus? John wants to bring you that assurance. Look at verse 24 with me. He wants you to dive deeper into that assurance. Look at verse 24. He says this. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him, it abides in you. Same concept as being sealed by the Spirit. And you have no need that anyone should teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. Now, I was a little confused by this when I first read it. John's been talking about antichrist, counterfeits, deceptions. You would think that he would go on to tell us, hey, here's how you become a spiritual detective. Here's what you really need to look for. You need to become an expert. Like those people that left us, we need to really do a case study of them so it never happens again. And we're on the prowl, magnifying glass. Every person we meet, we're like, hey, are you a deceiver? (laughs) Are you the antichrist? That's not what John tells us to do, even though today there's a lot of people who pile canned goods in their basement, come on, you know some of these people, and hoard things and then look out for every antichrist. I remember when I was growing up, uh, some people thought Ronald uh, Wilson Reagan, former president of the United States, was the antichrist. You know why? Six letters in each one of his names. Six, six, six. Looking for the antichrist. Spiritual detectives. That's not what John's calling us to do. I'm sorry if that's your hobby. I don't mean to break that to you and crush that hobby. But that's not what John's calling you to do. What is John calling you to do? He says, don't don't become an expert in counterfeits. Become an expert in the original." Abide in the original message that you've heard from the beginning. Abide in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Abide in the scriptures. Abide in the testimony of all who had walked with Jesus. You got to think, John saying, Hey, abide in what I've told you. The eternal has been made accessible. You can know him. God is light. In him there is no darkness. Abide in him. Focus on him. Don't be obsessed with the counterfeit. Be obsessed, saturate your mind and your heart with the real thing, the original, right? I think that's the way it works in all of life. I think as people look for counterfeit $100 bills, those change all the time, don't they? How do they spot the counterfeit? They are so intimately clued in, experts of what a real $100 bill looks like, that if there's a fake, they'll spot it instantly. Christians are meant to be the same way. You and I are meant to be the same way. We are meant to abide, live in the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of Jesus Christ. That's where we're meant to live. Notice he says abide five times. That means to remain, to stay, to set up shop, to move in this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You live there. A year and a half ago, my wife and I, we bought a house. And just the chaos of life, we didn't really set it up. But then we got quarantine, the gift of quarantine. We're just around looking at our house all the time. So we finally decided to move in a year later. And now people have started to come over to our house. They're like, oh, my goodness, you guys decorated. Oh, what's that? I didn't notice this chair before. I didn't know this on the wall before. What happened? We moved in. We didn't just set up a tent, like, hey, maybe we'll stay, maybe we'll not. We're like, this is our house. We're going to abide here. We're going to live here. We're going to remain here. We're going to stay here. We're going to think about all the nuances. We're going to study it when it's, when it's, when it's complicated of life. Where do we put that desk? We're going to draw out a map. We're going to really get into it. That's what John's talking about. You abide in the word of God. Some of you are freaked out today. Antichrist and end times. and like, what do we do? Have you been abiding in the word of God? Have you studied it? Are you living there? Some of us are living on Fox News and CNN, on social media, but not in the Word of God. And we wonder why we're panicked. We wonder why we're confused. Because we're not doing what John said to do that would give us protection and confidence and assurance. Abide in Jesus Christ. Abide in the gospel message. Abide in the Word of God. Is that where you live? Is that where you're abiding? Or are you always thinking about the potential deception? Are you always thinking about the frustration of our day? Are you abiding in the victory that Jesus Christ wrought for you through the cross and the resurrection? Are you abiding in the truth, the assurance of the gospel that you can know that you know God? You are not strong enough to fall away. No sin, no doubt. You are his. He's your father in heaven. You are his child. Are you abiding in that daily? This is how we don't panic. This is how we don't fear. We abide in the true Jesus Christ and his gospel message and his word. So are you doing that? We sent out an email this week of the outline of this whole series and just talked about like, all these different ways you can get the most out of this series. You can read the passage before you come. Abide. You can read the book in one sitting, 1 John abide. You can join a community group and get with other believers and be like, "Yeah, what does that mean, Antichrist? What does it mean that God is like abide?" That you get with the son of God by the power of the spirit of God with the people of God and you abide and you set up shop and you get comfort and confidence and assurance in Christ. Are you taking those steps? Do you just show up to church on a Sunday on a whim? Maybe I'll sing some songs, get encouraged, let's go watch football. That's not abiding. That's one hour out of 168 hours of your week. That's not setting up shop. That's not enough to give you the confidence John so desperately wants to give you. So this week, my challenge to you, how can you take steps to abide in Jesus Christ? With the people of God, by the power of the Spirit of God. John says you have it. How can you abide? How can you take steps, get a Bible reading plan, listen to it on your phone, meet with other believers. They have these really great ESV journal Bibles that, that you can get First John, just order on Amazon for like 10 bucks and you can write up in it. Abide in the word of God. John doesn't want you to be fearful. John doesn't want you to be confused. He wants you to have confidence in Christ that happens through abiding in him. All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you not only for inviting us into relationship with you, but warning us of what can rob us of relationship with you. That you're a good father. And that these people that are watching online, that are here in this room, if they've placed their trust in you, they're one of your kids. And so, God, I pray that they would walk in that confidence today. That they would begin to abide in you today. If some of them are thinking, man, I can't remember the last time I cracked open my Bible, much less abided in it. That we would make those changes, that we would set up with our families, maybe even online, set up, hey, right now, like tonight, today, we're going to watch the the, the PBC Kids lesson. We're going to dive in that way. We're going to saturate our mind and heart. We're going to abide in your word so we can be closer and closer to you, Jesus, like John was, so that we can watch out for deception, so that we can walk with a confidence and a victory in this life in 2020 amidst all the chaos we could have confidence. God, help us. Help us to follow you and abide in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen.